Now to go to Wellington for Midweek Media Watch and Colin Peacock's in our Wellington studio. Good evening, Colin. Hi, Karen. And Happy New Year to you, even though it's February. Yeah, you it? too. You've been working hard. I've been, I've been off on holiday, but yeah, it's the first time we've spoken since um, since 2020. Yes, it is indeed. And it's a month in already. Can't mm. believe how quickly the year's going. All right, we're, ta- we're in Wellington, just been talking to the Wellington City Council media manager, but uh, you've got a story about the Dominion Post. Yes, and I guess this is a, an appropriate one for the city of sinkholes. This is one that was uh, absolutely <laughs> positively spiked, uh, we'd have to say. And it's weird because it's actually a story the Dom Post published, uh, the paper here in Wellington published, way back in mid-December. Uh, and then put online on the Stuff website where I guess more people would have seen it. It had the headline online, Absolutely Positively Consequential, which is a play on that old slogan, Absolutely Positively Wellington. And um, on the, in the paper, the slogan was, uh, Forget Cool, City Needs to Be Consequential. And this was an opinion piece uh, for the editorial page by uh, the New York-based New Zealand PR professional Brian Sweeney. He's the founder of the Sweeney Vestie Communications Company, uh, founded in Wellington in the 1980s. Um, now, he wrote about uh, Wellington needing a new direction. So that, that uh, thing about forget cool was that slogan. Do you remember the Lonely Planet once said New Zealand, uh, Wellington was the coolest little capital in the world? And Wellington kind of traded on that embarrassingly for too long. He says, forget that. Um, he says, although Wellington's got its problems, the issues are well recorded, he said in this piece. Most cities in the world have infrastructure problems. And, and I, he says, I am an expert in emotional infrastructure. Now... Most Wellingtonians concerned about bricks and mortar infrastructure right now and sinkholes and burst pipes and unaffordable housing, not the emotional infrastructure. So it's a bit of a tough read uh, for citizens concerned about uh, more pressing problems uh, of the city. Um, And uh, in the end... um, it's a bit uh, tone deaf. Uh, easy to mock these articles saying we need to reconsider how we promote and think about the city. He says marketing is not cheerleading or junk scientist science. It's what communicates ideas. But given all the things we know are going wrong with Wellington, um, I don't think it was the best decision to publish that back in uh, in December. Well, irritating for, for Wellingtonians, but what was the problem with stuff publishing it? Yes, indeed, and now having to spike it and take it down from the website. Well, the problem was a conflict of interest that wasn't uh, declared to the readers. Um, and praise for stuff here, because one of their own journalists, the Dominion Post reporters, Tom Hunt, uh, he used the local government version of the OIA, the uh, Lagoima, as it's known for short. Um, and he discovered that, in fact, Brian Sweeney had been paid $12,000 by Wellington NZ, which is the old, uh, used to be the absolutely positively Wellington marketing section of, of, uh, of Wellington County council to write this uh, 600 words and, and get it uh, published on Wellington NZ's website and placed in the Dom Post. Um, so uh, on Monday, Stuff added this to the article that was published back in December. Subsequent to publishing this opinion piece, Stuff learned that the author had been paid by Wellington NZ to write it. Stuff apologises to readers for publishing the article without disclosing the information. And then yesterday morning, Tuesday morning, uh, the article was uh, gone altogether. And it's kind of a shame because with uh, Tom Hunt's article, they'd gone out and filmed people around Wellington saying, do you think uh, Wellington should no longer call itself the coolest capital and so on? But all that work um, gone now um, because uh, although you can read Tom's story (laughs) explaining why uh, the company had messed up and uh, not disclosed enough to its readers and now it had taken the article down. That's a phenomenal amount of money, $12,000 for writing an article. 
Well, when we're talking about um, promotional budgets and so on, not absolutely enormous, but of course to journalists it is, and especially you know freelance journalists who have uh, you know been paid the same sort of word rate for around about twenty five or thirty years, except for special projects. In fact, Mark Dalder of the Newsroom website uh, went onto the Twitter and said, "Look, for the low, low price of ten thousand dollars, I will write you you know twelve thousand words, you know as many <laughs> as you want, um, because yeah, obviously these rates are, are absolutely um, out of out of the park for journalists." But the other thing is that, as some have pointed out, the Dominion Post also reported last year that Wellington Water, uh, whose uh, outfit whose uh, reputation's not exactly sky high after all our burst pipes and sinkholes here, um, actually hired uh, Brian Sweeney's company, Sweeney Vesti, last year after a request from its owner, the council, to lift community engagement and communications amid its ongoing struggle to keep the rundown water and waste system operating. So all in all, I think Wellingtonians, Dominion Post readers, stuff readers, probably not thinking that was money well spent in Wellington. Right, on to dodgy vaccination articles. Yeah, this is another one that was uh, taken down online this week as well. Um, so yeah, I guess Monday, not a great day for articles having to be taken down. This was the New Zealand Herald, in fact, that's website uh, briefly published a piece with the headline, COVID-19 coronavirus mum, what I want to see before my son gets the COVID vaccine. Um, it also appeared on the ODT website down in Dunedin and the Star, the local paper there, both those published by Allied Press because they share news stories with the Herald. Um, and the article was all about an accountant in Christchurch named Lisa Mead who she, she was still considering evidence about the COVID vaccines. Um, she said, I don't really feel confident around taking a vaccine that has had literally less than a year to be developed. And it reported the things that have been in the news lately, such as doctors in Norway investigating the deaths of some elderly patients who got the Pfizer vaccine uh, and the possibility it might have contributed to their deaths. Uh, and just all her worries quoted in this article saying, I don't know if this is safe for my son. Now, the Herald had the same day done a series of, of reports um, about children missing out on vaccinations, uh, and not COVID ones, but uh, the, yeah, the other low rates and why this was a problem. I'm suspecting that this is how Lisa Mead's story came to their attention, but that article's pulled down from the Herald site, the app, and the ODT and Star websites by Monday um, because it really shouldn't have been published in the first place. And what happened on Talkback in regard to this? Yeah, well, the, the, the problem with that story was that it, it, there was no comment about vaccine safety and efficacy and no comment from the Ministry of Health about, you know, the supporting information about the vaccine rollout, just one woman's fears. And that's a legit story, isn't it? People are afraid, concerned about whether viruses are safe, particularly ones that have been developed in a hurry. Now, when the uh, MedSafe announced uh, this week that provisional, uh, today rather, that provisional approval for the uh, Pfizer vaccine, headline making news, immediately on Talkback, people were ringing in, voicing these very same fears. So these are legitimate concerns, which is why it was bad that the Herald published, albeit only for a short time, a story with just one mum's fears and very little uh, supporting information. And you could hear this echoed um, on Talkback. So um, the effect of this sort of you know, half-understood media reporting and possibly outright misinformation circulating on social media was obvious just a little bit on Talkback today after that MedSafe decision. Um, I've got a, a sample here. This is from News Talk ZB, uh, Simon Bunnett and Phil Gifford's talk show in the afternoon. And this is a caller who phoned in called Lauren. Um, I never get the flu jab and I never get the flu. Right. So yes. um, also with this virus, I was looking online and in Gibraltar, that has a population of 32, 
thousand they had for a whole year with this with this virus, seventeen deaths. And on Jan, this is from the Guardian, by the way, mm-hmm. January 9th, they got uh, the Pfizer vaccine and started giving all the uh, people in the old folks' homes the jab. The next day, two people died. Yeah, so there Lauren had, you know, parts, a few facts from a reputable source, The Guardian, uh, but drawing the wrong conclusion about uh, vaccine safety, which is a bit of a worry when these things get going on talkback. But Simon Barnett was talking to her there, but the co-host Phil Gifford did the, handled this really brilliantly. Um, so this next bit lasts for about a minute that follows on from there. I'm sorry it's long, but it's a really good example of how to deal with someone who might just go on here and mislead uh, listeners with the wrong information. I'm just reading on the Reuters website, one of the most reputable news organisations in the world, saying that the claim that coronavirus deaths in Gibraltar have been caused by the vaccine, not the virus, been shared on social media, this claim is false. And then they go into a great deal of more detail about why they say that claim is false. So, But that was from The Guardian you were reading, Lauren, was it? I believe it was from The Guardian. I mean, you looked at... Did you read it online on Facebook that somebody had posted something from The Guardian? Uh, I can't remember. Mm. <laughs> I'm sorry. No, no, that's all right. That's all right. No, that's okay. Well, but, I th- also, I mean, there's many different stories that you hear. So, like in overseas, there's nurses from depending what country. Forty percent of sixty percent of nurses don't want to get the jab. So, if they all don't get the jab, there's going to be a sudden shortage. So, what are they going to do? I'd be most surprised at that. That is the that is kind of the really difficult thing with the world and the small world that has been created by the internet. There's a lot of falsehoods out there. I, I would be staggered if that were true. That 40 to 60 percent of nurses won't take the jab. I'd be honestly staggered at that, Lauren. Yeah, so I thought that was a really good way there, Simon Barnett and Phil Gifford together, challenging someone who, I guess she had to concede in the end, she didn't really know fully what she was talking about. She'd half understood and half remembered a news article. But did you hear the way there that she, Lauren, switched tracks when she realised that and started talking about other stuff she'd half understood about nurses um, and whether they were going to get the jabs? Um, so I thought I thought they did that really well. Well, that's what you call responsible talkback, which is not always a contradiction in terms. No, absolutely. Their show is interesting because they managed to do talkback without grievance. So they didn't give uh, Lauren a hard time, therefore not you know, being fully across what she thought she'd read. Uh, but they were obviously conscious of the fact that people could be listening in and hearing this about deaths in Gibraltar, not having read the story, not really knowing the background. So rather than just um, let her talk or... or, um, or you know, maybe adding to the misinformation or, or agreeing with what she was saying, they you know they went and actually looked it up, and good on them. I should say actually that that story about the Herald, you know, which was in a way uh, the same thing. Lisa Mead, the accountant from Christchurch, I don't want to give this to my son. I'm not sure. Um, that, when I had a look on Facebook and social media sites, doesn't seem to have been widely circulated, so possibly uh, they pulled it in time. But it's the sort of thing that could. So, yeah, no harm done, possibly, in the end. But um, good to know that there's so many people calling in now on TalkBack and wanting to tell the hosts about things they've seen online or things that have been shared with them. And uh, really good of, of those two guys to um, to take the time to hit, listen to what she said, to check it out, uh, and then carry on the conversation with her, but without shaming her, but making it clear listeners that they shouldn't really take as gospel what Lauren was saying there. Now Eric Watson, author 
<laughs> yeah, this is an interesting one. Um, it annoyed people a bit. This is the uh, Weekend Herald uh, front page story. Uh, you might have seen it on the front page with a kind of quote headline saying, I didn't even have a toothbrush. Um, but this was a scoop by the Herald's investigative reporter, Matt Nippet, uh, an exclusive interview with uh, disgraced tycoon Eric Watson, uh, freshly out of jail, relatively recently out of jail in the UK. He was sentenced to six months uh, after a court case there, which involved uh, a big and complicated uh, legal stoush after a falling out with Owen Glenn. Um, and uh, the headline on it was great. It was, uh, it's penitentiary, my dear Watson, uh, Eric Watson on life in prison. Um, great headline there by Matt Nippet. But a fascinating and entertaining account. But some people on social media reacted really badly to this because uh, one of the things... Um, Eric Watson has had to front up for is tax avoidance, his Cullen group of companies. I think that was in the region of $120 million, so one of New Zealand's biggest tax avoidance cases. So some people felt uh, that somehow this um, kind of personality interview and indeed revealing his intentions to uh, publish and profit from a book uh, was not a good thing for the Herald to have done. Uh, yes, he's got a very checkered history, hasn't he? In that sense. Yeah, yeah, and there, there, there was certainly a lot for Matt to get into. This was an hour-long interview uh, conducted uh, via Zoom. And indeed, um, the, the thing that I guess rubbed some Herald readers or the ones that responded online in a bad way was saying, look, he's playing you here. Um, because at one point, in fact, at the end of the story... Um, Eric Watson says, I don't really care what the story is. I just want to sell books and get some money out of it. And uh, later on, uh, he says to him, unashamedly, Matt, you're part of the marketing machine, my friend. Uh, but, you know, Matt Nippet did put these quotes in the article. So you can see what his game is. Um, but, yeah, there are some people looking at this saying, well, look, this is a guy who doesn't appear. Uh, he owes money all over the place. Yes, he's been to prison. Uh, but, um, you know, really he is hoping to make himself famous, maybe in the vein of, you know, Jeffrey Archer, who was an actual writer before he went to prison. But there were plenty of people who felt that profiting from the prison experience and, you know, having the, the media help you do it uh, is not a kind of reputable or moral thing to do. So do you think the Herald and perhaps Matt Nippet were doing a disservice to readers? No, I don't, when when you weigh it up. Because, I mean, for one thing, you see um, <laughs> the, what I might call the desperation of Eric Watson to pump this book. He's saying, for example, that he might drop names like Russell Crowe and Nicole Kidman. There were rumours and stories about him and his encounters with these people over the years that, that he might drop into a book. And that sounds a bit desperate, doesn't it, if you're going to name drop celebrities to try and put them in there. So that might give you the hint that if you are thinking of shelling out for the book, it might not be... Um, you know, the greatest book you've ever read. Uh, but, you know, he, he I think it's quite revealing that when you see this guy who's run businesses, who's been up front about, you know, legally trying to minimise tax and so on, um, that he's willing to talk about in a book, but, uh, you know, he's now says he's got time on his hands and he's openly saying that he hopes to flip uh, film or miniseries rights to streaming giants. I think having that actually builds up a profile of a person, a risk-taking uh, business person. Because, I mean, to me, the most interesting part of the story, uh, just, just as a reader, not really talking about the journalism, is at the start of it, he's talking about, you know, turning up for, you know, the end of his court case, the sentencing, totally confident because his, his lawyers have told him it's unlikely you'll get a prison sentence here. He was already thinking 
past this to meetings he was going to arrange later in the day and you know, admits to being absolutely staggered when he heard the judge say six months, of which he ended up serving four. So, you know, quite, um, quite revealing stuff. But I think by being transparent, by uh, admitting that, yes, this is uh, a guy who, although he's supposed to be um, penniless and owing money, has a New Zealand-based PR agent who's um, putting him out there to do interviews to plug this book project. Uh, it's all there. The transparency is there. We know why. And, of course, plenty of interviews with newsworthy people, whether they're exclusive or otherwise, uh, happen are in the media because, you know, the person concerned is trying to sell something or, you know, elevate something that's of concern to them or burnish their reputation in some way. Well, but those who lost money from Hanover Finance would not want to put one cent into his pocket. No, and but those readers who read this, they can buy the paper, they can see exactly uh, what Eric Watson's up to. Um, they can see that also um, some of the psychology of, of it is interesting. In fact, um, I think at one point uh, Matt Nippet says he's... Um, how does he put it, like adopting some sort of Zen fatalism, which I, f- I think they'll find, you know, uh, desperately unconvincing. At some point you say, oh, I don't even wish Owen Glenn well, you know, too bad. Um, yes, he said, Watson moves between charming self-deprecation and almost new age fatalism, accepting of his circumstances uh, and convoluted explanations as to why his recent grievous court losses should actually have been wins with a clear-eyed appreciation of the difficulties that lie ahead. He also vapes constantly, <laughs> writes Matt Nippet. So I think that paints a pretty colourful picture and, uh, you know, hints at the character of the guy and gives readers a pretty decent sense of what he's up to, whether they're people who are victims of uh, his um, business failures uh, or not. I just didn't quite work out whether his book is ready or he's planning on it. No, it's clearly not ready because he's hinting to Matt that there will be certain celebrity anecdotes a la Russell Crowe bust up dating Nicole Kidman uh, that he may or may not drop into the story so I think he's trying it on and uh, trying to drum up a bit of interest that's probably aimed at getting a publisher uh, and or a script writer uh, more than anything else but we will see Uh, he's a surprising character and um, Matt Nippet looks like he's got his number with uh, this article being published in the Herald. Very good Colin well thank you very much good to talk to you for the first midweek media watch of the year and we'll, we'll chat again in a couple of weeks. Certainly will. And, yeah, links to those stories that were pulled down by the Herald and the Dominion Post and all the other things and Matt Nippet's features, there, they're all there on the Media Watch page of uh, the website, the entry for Midweek Media Watch. This week it's got the heading, uh, all the news that's fit to print or not on it. Or not. OK, good on you. Thank you. That's Colin Peacock for Midweek Media Watch.